Today's guest built a successful career as a content writer, built a network of women entrepreneurs and professionals who help each other succeed, and a popular podcast focused on women's entrepreneurial paths. Meet Emily Aborn and learn how she built this. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. So this is funny. Um, I, you know, in putting together this episode and uh, and and uh, having Emily reach out to us and and getting this all coordinated, I realized, wait a minute, she's partly to blame or to thank, as it were. I was going to say um, thank. I know I'm just playing, <laughs> but uh, for our being here. Because uh, former publisher Heidi Copeland was on her podcast, which was previously recorded right in this space. And when we built the podcast together, when we were putting all this together and kind of focusing on that, you know, the sound quality and wanting it to be really top notch and perfect. uh, and, And we settled on it had to be in person. This is where we settled on at the advice of Heidi, uh, you know, and I remember going through that and kind of struggling with, well, I'm two hours away and how are we going to do that? And, um, best decision we ever made, but she is, uh, was part of that. So had, had Heidi not been here, we probably would have not been here. And that's what I love about New Hampshire, our one degree of separation yeah, right. from each other. Kevin so. Bacon-esque stuff going on. So um, it's it's neat to uh, to be able to get to know uh, Emily uh, today and everything that she's doing, especially for women entrepreneurs uh, around the state. So this is uh, this is really cool. I'm excited to kind of dive in. As am I, you know, and, uh, you know, her own entrepreneurial journey to helping other entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, it's... Uh, one of those things I think a lot of people think about doing, like mm-hmm. how can I be a resource for right. other people, but right. so few people find that avenue to success. Yeah. And so I'm very interested to delve into Emily's career. We're going to find out. <laughs> Our guest this week is Emily Aborn. Emily is a content writer, podcast host of the She Built This podcast and founder of She Built This community for women entrepreneurs and professionals. She's been an official entrepreneur since 2014, but she's been dreaming up businesses since she was about six years old. Emily has run brick and mortar as well as online businesses as she's worked with over 90 different industries to create impactful messaging and increase their visibility. For fun, Emily enjoys nerdy word games and puzzles. All right, I think I'm going to like her reading, listening to podcasts, and hiking in the backwoods of New Hampshire with her husband, Jason, and their dog, Clyde. Emily, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure. Thanks for coming. And um, thanks indirectly for uh, making sure that we are here. I was going to say when you were telling that story, like how good that makes me feel. That's the kind of magic I want to create. Love that. Love that. Thank you for lifting up others to to then give us an opportunity. So as an entrepreneur, though, um, you obviously uh, have your hands in many things. Where does the passion for everything you're involved with come from? Two words. Okay. People pleasing. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, well, we'll just wrap this one up then. That's fine. So I don't know if I want to call it like curiosity or just taking the next step, but that's kind of how I've found myself mm-hmm. doing everything that I'm doing now is just 
constantly taking the next step and meeting the next person for a coffee chat and getting on the next podcast and doing the next collaboration. Mm. Um, And it sort of brings you to kind of like you were talking about, even with this story of using this studio, Mm -hmm. like you just never know who you're going to meet that knows somebody else that brings you to where you are today. Right, right. Like we had, and we'll tell our listeners too, you had sort of an encounter with our our last guest when she was leaving and you were coming. And um, who knows, that could lead to something as well. Love that. Love that. Um, So she built this. How did it start? Okay, this is a fun story. Okay, here we go. So I used to own, and don't look at me like I have six heads, mm-hmm. but I used to own an organic mattress store in Amherst, New Hampshire. I'm not, because that's I, I know others that do, which is strange. Oh, but fantastic. Yes, yeah, so for the listeners, <laughs> you can't eat the organic mattress, but it does have no toxins in it. So it's like free of formaldehydes and foams and things like that. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I owned that store um, in 2014 and we kind of hit, like we did, we we were really good for the first three and a half years Mm -hmm. and we put a lot of money into marketing and did all the things you're supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And after about three and a half years, we kind of hit like a speed bump and then the speed bump became a roadblock and I didn't know what to do. Like nothing I was doing was working. So I started working with a mentor at the New Hampshire SBDC. Nice. Yeah, I love them. Um, And she sat down and she basically was like, Emily, we need to put on your big girl pants and you need to go meet some people. And specifically, she told me meet people in my industry, so Mm -hmm. health and wellness professionals. Mm -hmm. But I took it as a challenge to just like meet every single person in New Hampshire. And I think I almost achieved that goal. (laughs) So I started meeting people and what I saw was like, I was meeting so many women entrepreneurs, women business owners. I had no idea that they were just surrounding me. And we started doing things together like events and collaborations and even silly things like Facebook lives together, you Mm -hmm. know, where I'd interview them and they'd interview me and things like that. Well, I got together with one of my friends and I was like, let's put on a event featuring three local women entrepreneurs in New Hampshire. And actually... Let's see. It was Amy LaBelle, mm-hmm. Jennifer Kretzinger, uh, Jennifer Brock of Spinal Corrective Center. And I'm not going to remember the third one. So let's just, I'll remember it as we go, I'm sure. And we'll pop back up. <laughs> sure, no so worries. we had, oh, Adria Bagshaw. Oh, yes. sure. Yeah. So we had all three of them on the panel mm-hmm. and... 165 women showed up to this event at LaBelle. Holy mackerel. And we d- we had no idea what we were doing. We just like put some posts on social media, you know, like, I don't know. I had no idea how to market or promote an event or fill a room. And people came to, to the event. So what I saw was people, women entrepreneurs in this area, they want to be connected mm-hmm. to one another. They want to be inspired and they want to know that they're not alone in doing something. So from there, I said, well, we need to keep all of these people that just came to this event connected, you know, like this was so fantastic. Let's keep the magic alive. And I started a Facebook group. That's it. It was just a Facebook group. And that's actually when I um, met Mike Mm -hmm. of Clark Creative Mm -hmm. and came here and started interviewing people like I had no, I just was taking the next step. You know, I knew I wanted to learn more about the women in our state and facilitate space for them. And so that was the next step. And it sort of evolved from there into many, many things and collaborations and events um, from that moment on. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so true entrepreneur in that you're, you're saying that you're taking the next step, but essentially you're taking risks, right? And that's what we do as entrepreneurs. We take the next risk and we see where it goes and we, and I love it. I love it. Um, I love that the connection is, is a big part of all of this. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get very used to at least the early stages of having to do everything yourself, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much to do and it's just you and you got to get it done. Um, and so taking that next step and taking that risk of reaching out to someone else and saying, hey, can we collaborate? Can you help me and I'll help you? That can be a big step and a scary step or a step that they don't even know how to take. So can you talk about why entrepreneurs should take a look at collaborations and what they need to consider to make it successful? Collaborations is like one of my favorite things to talk about. Yes. So I want to say for the for everybody listening that mm -hmm. collaborations are not always the easier path, right? Like right. it is sometimes just easier to do everything ourselves mm -hmm. because we know what we know how to do it, we know how we like it. But in the long run, collaborations, I think, get your message further faster. So like even just thinking about two podcasters collaborating, mm -hmm. I'm sharing on my platform that you have a podcast and you share on your platform that I was your guest. So we're helping each other spread our message further faster. And that's just like a micro example. But for me, collaborations has always been that but also like the magic of two brains coming together can, mm. in my mind, collaborations is like one plus one equals something way bigger than one. And whatever that number is on the other side is up to the two people that come together and create something new. I love that. So I want to go back a bit and, you know, in the introduction. It talked about that you've had an entrepreneurial spirit from a very early age. And, you know, you obviously are not afraid to go out and try new things. Um, so can you talk about this path that you were on that has led to where you are now in helping others on their entrepreneurial journeys? What was your journey like through your career? And what led you to go for that? This does not work for me to this is where I, I want to be. That's such a fun question. So yeah, when I say from an early age, um, I remember I was six years old and I distributed like the town newspaper. You know, I wanted to keep everybody in the loop that like my brother took his first steps as a baby. And <laughs> <laughs> so I would hand write like eight or nine copies of this newspaper and then go deliver them around the neighborhood. And of course, like I evolved into typing it once I figured that all out. But um, so it was things like that. And like, I was always creating services and things like that for people in my neighborhood. Um, so I always knew, and I'll tell you what, my grampy, um, he's up in, he was up in Harpswell, Maine, mm. and he owned this general store. It was like the only store on the peninsula and everybody went in every morning for their coffee and their sandwiches and like getting their lunch for the day, like lots of lobstermen up there. And when they came in his door, he would always greet them by name. He would always go the extra mile for them, like pay attention to them. And it was just like this like melting pot of the community. And like I worked for him one summer and I said to myself, I must have this. Like I want to do this. And I don't know what that looks like. I always thought it was like a coffee shop, you know? Mm -hmm. So I studied health education in college. And I do have some regrets about, I'm like, why didn't I choose business? But I studied <laughs> health education in college. And that is sort of what led me to working for chiropractors. And then, and then with the mattress store, it wove into that. Oh, wow. Was that my dream? No, 
<laughs> um, but it was a really good like learning ground, I want to say, for what would come next. And I can honestly say I have zero regrets in opening that retail location because of all the experience I got, because of all the people I met, and how it really did propel me into the next thing. When I look back, the common threads for me have always been the written word mm. and bringing people together through like content, I'm going to say, whether it be podcasting or writing, it's always about that for me. So even if I go back to when I was like six years old, I can come up and say, okay, that is the thread I just had to keep on following until I found what I wanted to do. And why was it important? when you were, you know, focusing on how to help others, to focus in specifically on women entrepreneurs? And why is it important for women to have those kind of communities um, on their own journeys? So many men ask me if they can be part of She Built This. I'm like, go start your own. <laughs> so there are a lot of things that women experience when running a business that I think are specific to women. Mm -hmm. um, and whether that be ups and downs through the month or just being maybe a more emotional decision maker. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm totally generalizing, so I don't want that to like come back. But there is something that I think women really crave that connection and that togetherness and knowing that we're we're all in this together. Um, I'm sure men crave that too. And like I said, they should go build, a, they should go start a <laughs> this. Um, so I think a lot of it is that we see ourselves in each other, mm -hmm. right? So we want somebody that we can relate to and that we recognize. And a lot of women in my group, I'm not one of them, but a lot of women in my group have children. And that's a very like common experience that is specific for the way that they work in their businesses. Um, but for, and also like just my writing clients, I just love, I think women entrepreneurs that I write for tend to be more open to infusing personality and like they're like a lot of personality into their brands. And I'm all about that. So I don't know. I just tend towards that with my writing clients. Mm -hmm. But with the community, I really think that there's like something that women are craving about coming together. Nice. Nice. Um, in so I want to uh, kind of have you uh, elaborate on what She Built This has become. It's now more than just a podcast. But you mentioned your writing and we mentioned the content writing. Um, when you're working with a client, what types of writing are you doing now? Is this for, are you, yeah, I guess that's a the good way to start is just what types of writing are you doing with clients and, and how are you interacting in that way? Um, so I primarily focus on website copy. Oh, okay. And blogs nice. that have been... Uh, optimized for search engines. Mm. So I'm really focusing on like strategy with the blogs versus sure. just like pumping out content. Right. Um, but website copy is like my favorite thing to do because nice. there's so much in there that you can branch off of. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, to that end, though, um, speaking of branching off, um, you had this event, this original event that went really well, 165 people. You have a podcast. Um, what else are you doing? And what has the, this community now become? Because it's not just one thing. It is obviously a community of women entrepreneurs. So what has it become? Yeah, thank you for asking. So one fun thing is with the podcast, so much conversation around what 
we're talking about mm. on the podcast happens in that community. So for example, this month I'm focusing on curiosity and I'm using the podcast as a way to explore my own curiosity around curiosity. And That's curious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we are as a community kind of talking about that together mm. and raising questions together. And that's been, that's really fun. That's how the two kind of tie together. Um, but I still do events and I have since that one mm -hmm. held one more at LaBelle and then we had a lovely one in Laconia up at the new Lakeport Opera House. Oh, awesome. And I'm hoping for another one this fall um, also in this area. The pandemic put a little bit of a, a little bit of a, um, speed bump in that plan, yeah. but we're getting back on track, Good. I think. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Glad to hear and that. then just like real small group, um, we have like a lot of peer accountability groups and small group experiences. Cause I do find that that's really the power. Like it can be overwhelming to be in a group with 2000 people mm -hmm. and, and be vulnerable. Right. Yeah. But when you're in a group with six or seven peers that you meet with regularly, it's a lot easier to open up. So what you've, Obviously, had an uh, opportunity to talk to many entrepreneurs um, in, in building this business. What are some of the common threads you find when it comes to who is a successful entrepreneur and some of either their personality traits or their practices? Um, are you finding there's some of those common threads? Oh, that's such a fun question. Um, so I think that it's going to vary, but I think that a lot of uh, one one thing that I see is when people do take a risk and they decide to maybe put themselves out there in a different way that everybody else is doing. I just read the book um, Purple Cow by Seth Godin, and he says, and I love how he says this. He says the everybody products are already taken. So now, like the everybody products now. If you create an everybody product, it's for nobody. So the people that get really specific about who they serve, what they do, no, we don't do that. Yes, we do that. Um, also, this is just like a personality trait, but resilience and like the ability to, you know, when things don't go your way or when you make a mistake or when you fail, that's okay. You have to evaluate and keep on going. Mm. And the last thing um, is kind of, going against all of the should do's and supposed to do's. Like, I think that we, there's often, you know, there's books written and things that say like, you should do business this way. And I think it's about making it like work for what your dream is and not worrying about all those should do's and have to do's. Like I, I tell my clients all the time, you don't have to have a blog. You don't have to use Instagram. I'm just using tiny examples mm -hmm. again. But like just rethinking what all that looks like for you and your unique business. Have entrepreneurial challenges changed any? Are there any? Are, do you see any difference in the challenges entrepreneurs face pre and post pandemic? Yeah, so I'm not as unfortunately um, tied to to a lot of like restaurateurs or people that relied on a lot of foot traffic. Mm -hmm. I work with, I interact with a lot of service providers, but I think that isolation was a huge, huge one for people. And it went both ways, right? Some people were thriving because they were home by themselves and they didn't have to go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I was like a total, I was like, yes, homebody life. But other people really, really felt isolated and disconnected. And I think that was, I think that took a big toll on a lot of people's mental health. And, you know, it, 
strikes me, you know, entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs, right? You know, it's that they, they have this drive to take that next step that the rest of us don't necessarily take to, to go, I, I, I think this would be a great idea. And then I'm going to go do it. You know, it takes a certain person that's going to launch it to the next level. But, you know, in talking about the fact that you focus on women entrepreneurs and their specific needs, um, I, you know, one of the things that's maddening in our society, you know, is that you will rarely hear a, a man who is started a business and running get asked about family. Like, it's just assumed, I think, that there's somebody, you know, a partner that's there that's t- holding down the home front and he, he gets to go off. But women entrepreneurs, it's sometimes among the first questions that they get is, how do you do it yeah, all? How do you juggle family and work? And <laughs> can you talk about, you know, when you, ha- you have these conversations, do the women that you work with talk about this? And what are the, what are, how are they handling those challenges and those frustrations of not only because the fact is, is that women, even in today's age, still do the majority of the, the childcare in their families. Um, and, uh, you know, they're still facing those societal expectations. What are you hearing? I think that they definitely do. Um, like their businesses are impacted by that. And I think that for a lot of women I talk to, they realize, okay, this is a season. Like while my children are young, Mm. this is how I I balance business and life. Um, As my children get older, some of those responsibilities are going to move off your plate naturally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're so right. Like it, you know, I, I don't, I guess I don't see it from the other way a lot because I don't talk to a lot of men that have kids that say like they can't run their businesses because they have to do something for their kids. But I do interact with a lot of women that structure their business so that they have that freedom and flexibility to bring their kids to basketball games and to pick up a kid from school Mm -hmm. when they're sick or they forgot their lunch. And I think that that's a piece of it is just having the flexibility in your business. And maybe that is unique to women entrepreneurs at, at that stage that they're in. Wow. Cool. Um, I am curious about a couple things, um, and, and to, to sort of, um, continue on the path that we were, that in terms of the questions that Matt was asking, but, um, of the guests that you've had and the topics you've covered on your podcast, what do you feel is some of the best advice, uh, that your guests are giving to women entrepreneurs? Oh, so I had the, you know, the term FOMO, like fear of missing out. Yes, yes, yes. I had Patrick McGinnis, the author of that, of the book FOMO, the founder of the phrase FOMO on my podcast. And he gave some of the, I see a lot of people taking a lot of courses, taking a lot of trainings Mm -hmm. and like just doing the next, like trying to almost chalk up education or like the know-how before they do the thing. Mm -hmm. And he really talks about like how eliminating your options and not like overpacking your schedule just because you don't want to miss out on things Mm. is the key. And I really think that that advice that he gave was so, so good for the women entrepreneurs I see that are either like they really don't want to miss out on things, mm-hmm. so they just sign up for right, everything. Right, I was going to say, you've got to be at every event exactly. and you know, be out every night networking. or And then they're completely overbooked. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I am guilty 100% oh, yeah. of doing this, yeah. so I can laugh about it. But um, And then also 
phobo, which is like fear of a better option. So we, yeah. So we also (laughs) run into this thing where it's like, there's so many options out there of service providers. You could have write your website copy. It's like, how will I choose? So you interview 20 of them, right? And then it's like, well, you still have 20 options. So fear of a better option is just being like calming down the nervous system maybe Mm. a little bit and being like, you know what? I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision by this date and whatever happens with that, like I have a brain, I have a feelings. I can make my decision rationally and then move forward and not let yourself get stuck in that analysis paralysis. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like trusting, trusting yourself, having enough confidence in yourself, which is hard to make a decision and say, this is, this is what I'm doing. I don't need 20 other opinions. Yeah. (laughs) And I actually think like when it comes to even your idea as a woman, as a entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. when you have an idea, don't ask 6,000 people their thoughts on your idea. Like ask your very close business confidants and maybe somebody from, you know, the SBDC or something like that Mm -hmm. to give you feedback Mm -hmm. and then rework your idea and take it from there. But when you ask for like all of these different opinions, it's going to... No focus groups before the idea is out the door. Yeah. Yeah. And just a twist on that question is, so what is some of the... Um, advice or information that you've gleaned from all your interactions Mm. that have been most impactful on you in your business? This is why we work together. That's a great question. (laughs) You know what? I think I'm going to take it right back to uh, not sharing your idea, but I'm going to spin it on a more positive way. Don't let anyone like poo-poo on your idea. Mm -hmm. You know, like there is a time when you do need that feedback and you need to know if it's maybe not going to work or if you need to rethink it. Right. But do not let anyone get in the way of you and that dream that you want. Did you face that at all? Have you had those negative voices that maybe were trying to dissuade you from paths? Hopefully my dad doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> we can probably arrange that he does not. <laughs> um, no. So I really, I think when I was young, I was always coming up with like new ideas and people were always like, that's not going to work because of this. That's <sighs> not going to work. So that is actually like something like in my psyche that mm-hmm. I've been working on, you know, like sometimes I don't even want to say it because I don't want somebody to poke a hole in it. Mm-hmm. Um I really try to stick to asking. I only have like three really, really close business friends. And then I do have a mentor still that I keep in contact with at the SBDC. But I've had times when I've been trying to make a decision and, you know, it might take me six months to make that decision because I'm getting opinions from every single person under Mm. the sun. And every single person under the sun has a different opinion for me. (laughs) We all know what they say about opinions, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has one. That's all. Um, what is, what, or what has been perhaps an example of uh, one of your favorite collaborations or partnership stories uh, that you've, that you've come across in all of this work that you're doing? The She Built This events are Mm. pretty much always a collaboration, uh, not just between me and the co-host, but also me and the panelists, right? So I get to like really learn their stories and find out more about them. Those have been amazing. Um, the one in Laconia, I really think it might have taken (laughs) the cake. It was so beautiful. And just like it was, you know, I think part of it was we had not been able to have them for two Uh, and a half years. And so that was a piece of it. And everybody was together again. But the Lakeport Opera House in Laconia, New Hampshire is a stunning venue. And it was just a really, really beautiful, beautiful evening. 
So nice. that's and, one of my favorite. What and so what is in an evening? What does that consist of? You, you mentioned a panel. Um, it, walk me through that kind of that evening and what that feels like for someone who's attending. Yeah, so there's a lot of networking uh-huh. at the beginning, um, and at that particular one and a couple others, we've had like vendor tables, oh, so nice. people can actually like um, offer their mugs or their. Um, one woman actually brought in like half of a clothing store for people to oh be able God. to shop. I know. <laughs> um, so there's that aspect and then we do do like a panel and this time I actually was on the panel which was super fun usually I'm the interviewer Mm -hmm. Um, so that's usually like three to four local women and what we do is we like ask them questions that highlight pieces of their story that they can bring that advice or inspiration to the audience and then more networking. And like, I call it the after party cause it's yeah. just like super fun. Everybody's a little cozier. Um, and it's a really, really nice time. So, and what made that particular one really smooth was my co- event collaborator. Like I kept telling her, I'm like, this doesn't feel stressful. I feel like oh, I'm not doing enough nice. cause I'm not stressed. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Well, yeah, or you're doing it right, I think, is the alternative to that, right? It, yeah. It's working. It's working and there's a purpose. That's really that's really awesome. So um, as we often ask here on BizCast, um, what's next? What does the future hold? And it doesn't have to be massive major plans and big, big things, but what is what do you want this to be as it moves forward and you move with it? As you continue to build. Yeah. Yeah, so... My, I really want to write a book and I think that I want the book to be kind of like entrepreneurial stories from the trenches, you know, like we're in it, we've rolled our sleeves up and we're doing it. Um, so I had originally gotten that idea and then I started interviewing women to be in my book, but I think I just want to write it from my perspective to Mm -hmm. start and then maybe move on to other things. But yeah, that's my, that's my goal. Somebody, people are always asking like, what entrepreneurial book should I read to start my business or (laughs) when I'm feeling this or when I'm struggling with this? And I'm like, Mm. I want to write that book for you. (laughs) So I think that's next for me and for She Built This. Um, I, I really like where it's at right now Awesome. and actually like what's next is just no more ripples for a little while. Yeah, like we're yeah. just going to keep it steady for a little no while. No COVID, no other things. Yeah. Just keep rolling. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, Emily Aborn is, she built this and all that she has built. And we're so happy to have you share your story with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group. 